0: the erosion of connection at work, what my magic wand wish has to do with Billy Joel, and we start looking at all the ways that parenting and bossing are eerily similar. It's happening now on Boss Better Now.
1: You're listening to Boss Better Now. Please welcome speaker, author, and Hugh Jackman doppelganger, Joe Mall, <laughs> You can't even stop <laughs> yourself from Hello, boss from
0: laughing. heroes. <laughs> Welcome to your weekly dose of advice and encouragement. We are here to applaud you, support you, and encourage you, and to make sure you feel the immense pride that comes with putting in the work it takes to boss better. I am here with my friend and generous co-host, Alyssa Mollett. Hello, Alyssa.
1: <laughs> Hello, Joe. Please, please. We, we have to know. What's the Hugh Jackman doppelganger? Please. <laughs>
0: One time I had somebody in an audience tell me that they thought I looked like Hugh Jackman. Hey. And that may have been the greatest compliment ever paid me. Because <laughs> he's the total package, let's be honest. <laughs> right?
1: I, I think one time makes it true. I don't care what anybody tells you.
0: <laughs> and to be clear, there is no resemblance whatsoever. Okay, Hugh Jackman was Wolverine. I'm five, eight and a half. Let's just. <laughs> Let's the
1: half makes it really important. I
0: used to be five nine. Then I oh. started a business, got married, had kids, and you know, the weight of the world. It pushes oh. <laughs> pushes you down. Yes. I, I actually think that I, I have a love hate relationship with Hugh Jackman. Okay. Tell me. Um how do you not love Hugh Jackman? I mean, he has talk about range, right? That super talented guy. He was Wolverine and he was Jean Valjean right? He 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 literally can put his name on a show, grab an orchestra, take it on the road. It's not even a musical. It's just, I'm Hugh Jackman. Come see me. <laughs> and, people, and it's great. It's amazing. The guy is the total package. He's super talented. I, I know somebody who met him once in a restaurant, just went up to him and talked to him. Uh, and he talked to her for half an hour. And, and she said he was wow. the nicest human being
1: That's awesome. you would ever
0: encounter. So how do you not love Hugh Jackman? He's kind of like a modern day Brando, right? Do hey, we do that we have these stars like you?
1: A modern day Brando. A me? Yes. I mean, listen. You're smart. You're kind. You would talk to everyone. You have. You are your own showman. And anybody that has ever been in an audience with you absolutely would say that's you, Jackman.
0: <laughs> well, this is spiraling wildly out of control. <laughs> I <laughs> That is incredibly kind of you to say. Okay, what's well, uh,
1: the hate relationship with you, Jackman, though. we got to get to the other side of that or- equation, you said. Right.
0: Um, like, maybe spread it a- around a little bit, Hugh, right? Okay, talent, good looks, I can dance, I can sing, I'm super nice, right? Don't suck it all out of the universe for everybody else. you gotta, you, know, you got to spread it around a little bit. So, okay. that, so, But, you know, how do you not love Hugh Jackman, who I clearly look just like?
1: Uh, right. It, it absolutely. It was said once. It makes it true.
0: I, I'm good with that.
1: <laughs> All right, well,
0: Alyssa, as you know, in our last episode of the podcast, we had promised in the preview that we were going to talk about the the atrophying of the social muscles on our teams, you know as a result of more remote work and and people being less present together in workspaces and we never got to it. And so that was an unfulfilled promise. So we're going to start with that today. Uh, and the the cost of so many people either not being in a space together at work yep. and or remote working, one of the things that I I hear from my clients over and over again is we are not connecting We're lacking that connection because we're not together, but also because everyone's going at 10,000 rpms right now and it's been like this for months and and there's just no reprieve from it so yeah. what is the cost of that on a team?
1: I think the costs are still uh, to be determined right mm. um, We're this living uh, collective trauma that we do not know what we are sacrificing of ourselves and of each other at the current time. But I can tell you how it feels to me and what I hear from my uh, clients in the coaching realm is that that deep sense of connection that we get from those that are in the professional space. So, you know, we might be connected in the terms of, oh, we're connected to our our children's remote schooling teachers were connected to our teams via virtual uh, context, but we're not connected in the same way that we were previously. And mm-hmm. so those muscles that we use, the smiling, because now it's behind a mask, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the um, the skin hunger that we we now have to manage
0: being was that action. was that skin hunger?
1: skin hunger it's a thing look it up man I'm afraid Th- to
0: google that okay
1: <laughs> well it is <laughs> i should say <laughs> you might have to put some kind of like scholarly research on skin hunger but
0: <laughs> and make sure the kids are not in the room <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right but it is it is truly a thing what our is skin bodies hunger? yearn for this kind of connection mm. whether it is the handshake the the hug Mm-hmm. I mean, it is super isolating right now Absolutely, have the only contact and connection that we have be through a screen or behind a mask. And so those muscles that we usually use to put on our smiley, happy face to go out into the world start to atrophy
0: absolutely. I, I've not heard the term skin hunger before, but you're you're spot on in terms of, you know, as human beings, we are made to connect. We are made to gather and form relationships and, you know, work in villages because it is safer. and it, you know, all of the good brain chemicals that come with those types of interactions and connections, we need that. And I think if you are keeping up with a lot of the news right now around, people's remote work experiences. What you're hearing from people is, okay, we tried it, we figured out what works, a lot of people really miss the office. A lot yeah. of people are really missing the, and, and hoping to return to shared workspaces. And maybe it, it won't be like it was. I don't know that that a lot of folks will go back full-time the way that they were, but I think you are going to see a lot of hybrid models where people get the chance to work from home, but also in order to, to satisfy was it skin hunger did i get it right
1: <laughs> that's correct to
0: satisfy their skin hunger to to ensure that the kinds of sophisticated relationships that lead to high functioning teams are allowed to form that they are gathering in a space together because one of the things that we know about human nature is that when you put distance between people physical distance we become less likely to regulate our behavior it, it's why people on the internet get keyboard courage and comment on social media and on newspaper articles and things like that and just say really direct and at times horrendous things to each other. There are no no consequences to it because of that distance. We don't show up in that way when the person is sitting across from us or is in the hallway.
1: Oh, isn't that the truth? So what do you see as the biggest kinds of actions or thought patterns or strategies that our boss heroes can take into trying to combat mm. that atrophy, that loss of camaraderie, that loss of connection. Yeah.
0: Well, right now in, in these environments, we have to find a way to work on it together. And that's hard. It's hard to find time. But that time can just be even 5, 10 minutes at the beginning of a, of a Zoom huddle or meeting. Uh, and, and maybe if we just do it once a week, we can keep some of that social atrophy at bay. And and when I say work on it, I mean even just doing things like our camaraderie question of the week, where people find things in common with each other and access each other's humanity a little bit. I think there are some other things, though, that, that teams can do. Um, Partnering is really important. So if I've got a team of 10, maybe I find some creative ways to get employee number one and seven to work together and employee number two and four to work together uh, if the nature of their work doesn't normally cause them to interact.
1: Oh, that's a great idea. Okay.
0: And I think we can also ask them to do that in a virtual environment where they can see each other. There's a, there's a big debate right now in, in folks who work in organizational development and, and who are studying sort of the psychology of remote work about whether we should require people to turn their cameras on
1: Ooh, when, oh. when
0: they get into these kinds of Zoom meetings and whatnot. And there, there are two schools of thought.
1: Mm.
0: One is that turning the cameras on removes some of that isolation and ensures that some of that human contact is taking place. There's a lesser degree of distance between people when you can see each other. I think we can all agree that that is true.
1: That is true. And
0: so there is some psychological value in seeing each other, and your team reaps the benefit. On the other hand— some people's home lives, right now, if you'll excuse the expression, are a shit show. They're they're homeschooling. You know, they've got kids running around in the background. They may not have had time to shower and do makeup. They their their house maybe needs more attention than they've been able to give it. Maybe there, there's some distress taking place there that they don't want their coworkers to see. And so, when you force people to turn their cameras on, and this is the other side of the debate, is you're actually adding a layer of anxiety, adding a layer of difficulty to folks who are working from home.
1: Yeah. I I I hadn't been acquainted with that debate. Mm. Um so thanks for bringing that up. I I want to Instantaneously, I was like, oh no, no, no. People shouldn't do that. Like they shouldn't be forced to do that. Right. Um, because it feels like an invasion of 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 my space, you know. Um, and I feel like, you know, we're being tugged in a thousand directions to, to your point of of the distress and the distraction and all of uh, what's going on. And that just seems like another huge burden where mm-hmm. someone wants to watch over me. Yes. Um but there is that other part that goes, well, wait a minute. If I, as the leader and you as the employee have this like real direct trust with one another, that it's not about overseeing your productivity or anything like that. Rather, it is truly just about authentically trying to reduce that isolation that is absolutely happening for all of us then that is absolutely something that we should consider um but i think it's it's definitely a a relationship by relationship thing for me is it mm. has to be really on stable ground with a lots of trust on both sides
0: i have this conversation a lot because i'm doing a lot of virtual meetings virtual training where we're bringing staff collectively to that event and over and over again a lot of the people who are are hiring me to do that work with them are saying well we're we're going to require that the cameras be on and mm. i'll say well let's talk about that you know because if 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 we can accomplish your goals for the training or for the event without mandating that then should we yeah or if, if why, why is it important to you that we have cameras on? Let, let's talk about that. And so we'll have some of that conversation. The general advice that I give to folks who are asking their personnel to work from home and participate in a lot of online gatherings is that if you want cameras to be on, number one, communicate that expectation ahead of time, right? Yeah. That, that this is going to be a meeting where we need to see each other. Number two, don't make every meeting a camera on required meeting, you know, spread it out a little bit, right? Give people a chance to not shower if if they need to for that day. Uh, And then the third thing I would say is that even if you have a cameras on event, you clearly define the exceptions to that rule. And you give people permission that if, hey, under these circumstances, something happens, you need to step out. If if, if having your camera on makes you feel unsafe or mm-hmm. makes you, if, if it feels so intrusive that it pro- prohibits you from being able to be fully focused and fully participate, then turn the camera off.
1: Wow. that Those are really good tactical guidelines. I think that Uh, our boss heroes out there can, can take a lot away from. I think one of the main things that, that popped up for me whenever you're talking about uh, safety, Mm. we talk about the whole impetus of this being those social muscles atrophying and what paralyzes those muscles. What has the opportunity fight or flight, right? Is, is compromising our safety. Mm -hmm. So You have to really think about what it is, what that means to you, what compromises your safety, what causes your social muscles, those things that, um, are going to take you right away from connection and camaraderie. Um, and that might not always be the same for those that you lead,
0: right? And it goes to that noticing that, that you're so fond of talking about. And I think this is a kind of debrief that bosses can do with their direct reports every once in a while. And I'm also a big fan of the boss phone call, right? We don't always have to Zoom. We don't always have to Teams. We don't always have to WebEx, right? You can just schedule a call and say, I'm going to call you. And we'll do our meeting via the telephone, and, wow. Yeah, right. Old school. And <laughs> I think bosses can ask their team members to notice what their experience is like in those virtual environments. So. What is it like for you when we have these meetings? What is it like? What are you feeling? What are you noticing about, about your comfort level and and your sharpness and, and whatnot when the camera's on, when the camera's off, when we give you the agenda ahead of time, when we just leave open time for discussion? you know, What are the optimal conditions for you? And then if that boss is taking notes, they can start to notice themes and patterns that emerge across the people that – they supervise, and they can tailor the remote work environment to them in that way.
1: Magic. That's where the magic happens. You see the problem, you solve the problem through that level of deep connection and trying to start building back up that level of connection in a very real and very specific way for Mm -hmm. each of your team members.
0: Well, folks, we want you to tell us what you think. I'm over on Instagram at JoeMall77. Also, be sure to like our Boss Better podcast page on Facebook, where you can leave comments and ask questions. You can suggest ideas for the show. Uh, If you would like to go to the Boss Better podcast page and um, agree in a really uh, specific and boisterous kind of way that I do look like Hugh Jackman, then you should do that. (laughs) That is allowed. Uh, And please also remember that our ability to keep doing these shows depends on you. So please subscribe, write a review, and thank you for helping spread the word uh, and help us grow this show. Uh, Which brings us to, Alyssa, our camaraderie question of the week. And it's kind of appropriate that we were talking about camaraderie and facilitating connection because my hope is that as our audience... Listens to these episodes, they're starting to keep a list. Keep a list in your bullet journal, folks, of the camaraderie question of the week, and you will always have something you can use at meetings and huddles. We know bosses build camaraderie on teams by making it easier for people to find things in common with each other. So every week, we give you a question you can use at meetings to facilitate connection and build camaraderie. So, our camaraderie question of the week, Alyssa. Okay. If you could wave a magic wand, what gift or talent would you give yourself? And I think this question needs some additional clarification.
1: Okay. This is not the
0: superpowers question. Like, if you could have any super... This is like a legitimate... Like, you've met... People have different gifts and talents, right? I've always wanted to play the trombone. What is the thing, gift or talent, that you would give yourself if you could wave a magic wand?
1: So... This might Maybe this isn't what you're thinking, but what comes to my brain hole, because I, unfortunately, even though I'm an optimist, I think of myself in terms of pessimistic ter- mm. terms, right? So I would think of something that I could banish from myself rather oh. than necessarily a, like a gift or a talent I want to give myself. Is that allowable? Can I do that? Yes.
0: Wand? Tell us more about that.
1: Okay, so what I would like to banish for myself, because I think I would, the sky would be the limit of what I could accomplish and think for myself, if I could only do away with my comparison seeking. Ooh. So if I didn't have to compare myself, my goals, my achievements, my to Dunn's list any of those things to other people or even to my prior self, younger self, I I think <laughs> I think I would get so much more living done mm. and be so much more available to achieve goals than I currently have the capacity to do.
0: Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that that That's a really thoughtful, reflective, you know internal observation
1: okay, cool. and, Thanks. and if I'm we glad treat to feel it
0: that way <laughs> of course and 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 if we treat that as a talent, that ability to banish yeah. your comparison monster, yes, you know talent requires practice. You know, and so I'm going to answer the question, then I want to come back to yours.
1: Okay, okay, Because okay, I think yes,
0: there are okay. parallels. Okay. So my answer to the question is, I wish I could play the piano.
1: Oh, well, that's
0: beautiful. So my bachelor's degree is in music. Uh, I have a four-year degree in in voice. I am a singer. Um, I am also good the good one, worst... by the way. It's well, a good thank one. You. I'm also the worst piano player to ever come through Indiana University of Pennsylvania's revered music education program. Um, I would walk into the class piano room and the pianos would whine. They would literally cringe out of fear (laughs) at what was about to happen. Um, I get asked a lot by folks who are going to go get a music degree or a a, a voice degree, a music degree, um, if I have any advice, and my advice is always the same. If you're going to study music, and you don't play the piano start lessons right now, Mm -hmm. uh, and be prepared to practice for two hours a day every day for the entire four years of your college education. And when you're done, you will be just passably barely awfully good enough to (laughs) maybe make a living as a musician, especially if you want to be a music teacher. You got to be able to play your part and lead others. Um, And I could never master the piano. A master is even not even remotely the word I should use. Um, I
1: could never piano. <laughs> I don't piano either, Joe. Okay. But I, and I, 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 I love hear the pain in your voice.
0: The idea of being able to, to play that music. I watch somebody like Billy Joel. My wife and I are huge Billy Joel fans. We've seen him a bunch of times in concert. Um, just to be able to sit down and do that right and to perform and to play in that way i play the guitar i sing so i i get to scratch that itch in a different way but for me there's something about the piano and it was that's my magic wand
1: thing okay so tell me about the parallels that you now see between your answer and my answer cuz I, I you always okay. weave this beautiful thread you might not think you can play a melody but boy you can weave one with words fella <laughs>
0: My goodness, I like doing these podcasts cuz I leave feeling so good about myself based on all the nice things that you say. Um I think there are parallels. So, while I have never been able to piano, I still believe that if I devoted myself to it enough, I could, right? Mm-hmm. There are there's mastery is not the result typically of innate gifts, it's the result of practice. You know, I I'm a I'm a uh a musician, and I, and my daughter wanted to start taking piano lessons and i the first thing I told her was, "I want you to understand that you do not learn to play the piano because you take lessons. Mm-hmm. You learn to play the piano because you practice right? Wow. You can go to all the lessons you want. You can go once a week, you can go twice a week, but if you don't practice, you're not going to learn anything you it's it's and it's not practice just for the sake of repetition. it's practice with the intention of getting better, right? Malcolm Gladwell writes about this. Uh, in in his book Outliers, and we've all maybe heard the whole ten thousand hour uh, comparison that he uses in the book. He talks about the Beatles, and that you can only achieve mastery through repetition that pushes you. So my parallel, Alyssa, is if you want to banish the comparison monster, that is something you can acquire. It is a talent you can acquire through practice. So the question is, what do you need to practice? What do you need to repeat over and over again with the intention of progressively getting better to banish the comparison monster?
1: That is exactly the thing I needed to be reminded of because I have this mantra in my head um, of I don't have to hate myself to want to change myself. Ooh. Okay, and so... If if I'm in that living in that comparison mindset, um, it creates this kind of self hatred, mm-hmm. and and so I don't have to hate myself to want to change myself. Mm-hmm. That that makes sense to me. And I can keep practicing that and I can keep noticing it and I can keep exercising those muscles and so feeding it back to our initial conversation about not letting that atrophy, right? So it's, I got to practice, I got to not make that stuff atrophy. I got to dig deeper and keep telling myself, do not have to hate myself to change myself.
0: And that, folks, is why she was the person I had to invite to be on this podcast, because otherwise we would have spent this entire segment talking about Billy Joel, (laughs) but instead we get some depth, we get some substance, and that, folks, is our camaraderie question of the week. All right. The, the last thing we're going to do on the podcast today uh, is a segment that I am really excited about. I have a feeling this could become a listener favorite. Uh, this is going to be the first installment of a segment that we call Boss Like a Mother. <laughs> I'm going to play. Uh, do you want to hear the music one more time?
1: I, w- I would love to because it sounds amazeballs.
0: Boss Like a Mother. We got to do this segment over and over again just to get that little riff in there from time to time. Agreed. Uh, One of the things that Alyssa and I constantly talk about and and have talked about more frequently in the run-up to building and launching this show is the constant parallels that exist between parenting and bossing. Yes. The number of times we have shared stories with each other about something that happened with one of our kids that then led to a, you know, the same thing is true with bossing. You know, if we if we got a nickel for every one of the times that 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 happened, we'd have a big bucket of nickels. We would. We'd be able to make a really long phone call. (laughs) And so so tell me all the
1: parallels. Which one are you picking out today? I I, want to hear this story. So
0: we had a, a remote parent-teacher conference with uh, our kids' teachers last week, right? Ooh, okay. um, uh, so so we're, not, we're about a third of the way through the school year. So we did these mm-hmm. uh, virtual parent-teacher conferences. And one of my daughter's teachers was describing how she had recently created a fairly complex problem for the, the class to solve. And she said, normally I give them this step, step one, and then they work on it, and then we talk about it. And then we give them step two, and then they work on it, and we talk about it. But in this case, I gave them step one, two, and three and told them they needed to work all the way through step number three. And mm-hmm. she said they were immediately resistant. And because I'm there in the room, they, they wanted to come up to me and ask questions. And I told them that they were not allowed to ask the questions until they had gotten all the way to step three. They were allowed to ask each other, but they weren't allowed to come ask me. And she used this great phrase. She says, I I am teaching them to become better problem solvers by creating that scaffolding around the exercise. I loved this analogy of the scaffolding, right? Uh, It's kind of this, this construct, this safe way to do something that might be risky.
1: You know I love me a good visualization. That scaffolding is an awesome visualization. Yeah, and and you know it's funny
0: because she said it. It was such a passing thing. It was a throwaway for her as we were just chatting about uh, Lily's experience in the fourth grade, and I immediately started thinking about bosses and how we want our folks to become more sophisticated problem solvers. We don't want them to come to us over and over again. With elementary questions or the same questions over and over again. But that sometimes by being the person who has the answer and just giving the answer, Mm -hmm. we're not nurturing those more complex problem solving skills, the critical thinking that we want people to do. Uh, And so I thought, what is the scaffolding that bosses need to build in the interactions that they have and in their workplace that will gently push folks to? More risky problem solving on their own.
1: Mm, mm. That you know, <laughs> I'm gonna go back to my roots here. But to me, that's like coaching. Yeah, that's exactly what that is to me. It speaks to the scaffolding. Like whenever you, I mean, there's a, a great comfort, right? Whenever somebody, when all the people come to us mm-hmm. all the time, and they need us, they want us, they want our answers, right? A, and that feels good and it's comforting in a way, but who is that really safe for? Is it we're trying to be safe for ourselves and trying to be comforting for ourselves, or is it time to gently build that scaffolding both for ourselves and for those that we lead?
0: And being explicit about it and saying, well, Listen, I'm not trying to play gotcha with you, and I'm not testing you. Yes, I could just give you the answer right now. I know the right answer, but I'm also making both of our lives more complicated by just spitting it out every time you ask. So let's do this together right now. And folks, this is a a, a boss script that you can write down. You can put this question in your pocket and take it with you. You will use it every single day of your life. The question is this, what options do you see? Right. That's it's a fundamental coaching question. It's, it's, it's page one in the boss's coaching handbook. What yes. options do you see? And that starts to build that scaffolding.
1: Yep. Step two of the scaffolding, which, you know, is, is <laughs> the, this is the really, really hard part. So once you got that out there, then you need to be quiet. Yes. Listen and learn, wait the silence, hold the space, because mm-hmm. they'll fill it up yep. if you allow them to fill it up.
0: And if you don't take the bait when they give you the, I don't know, or the one word answer, right? If you ask the question, what options do you see? And they say, well, I don't know. Recognize what has happened. Their, their brain hasn't shifted yet. They arrived expecting to be a receiver of information. And so they arrived with their ears out front. Yep. And when you say what options do you see? They haven't yet whoop zipped jumped over to that other part of their brain. Where they go? Oh. Let me let, let me use my critical thinking. Let me reflect on what I know and what I've experienced and what we talked about at the meeting and what that email that you sent last week said. And the last time I asked you this question, do I remember what you told me? There, there is a moment where you need to downshift. This person needs to shift gears in yeah. their brain to go from being a receiver of information to a contributor to the solution. So mm. when we don't take the bait, when the person says, I don't know. You stay silent, or you go. Okay.
1: <laughs> I I, I want to fill the silence, Joe, because you're looking at me, and I uh, I I want to fill it, and I want to yeah. fill it. These and sometimes you just great. have to re- restate it instead
0: of what options do you see? You then you then you say, Why don't you give it a shot? Where would you start? Yeah. What do you Building. know not to do?
1: Awesome. That's. Scaffolding.
0: And that is Boss Like a Mother. All right, folks, that's our episode for today. Remember, this is your show. We want to hear from you. You can email the show at bossbetternow at gmail.com. And in fact, we'd actually love for you to be on the show. If you have a question or a comment, you can send it to us at bossbetternow at gmail.com. You can even send it as a voice recording and we might use it in a future episode. And of course, you can comment on episodes and segments over at the show's website, bossbetternowpodcast.com. Let me leave you with this today. True leadership isn't about power. It's about people. It's about serving your people, supporting people, acting in their best interests. Now, these people... They include your team, yes, but they also include your management peers, your business partners, your bosses, your customers. Leadership becomes heroic when we sacrifice our time, effort, and comfort in service to people. What makes you a hero isn't being right or great or even good. What makes you a boss hero is that you care enough to try. You care enough about people to tell them the truth. You care enough to be vulnerable, to manage your ego, to admit mistakes, and to share your caring out loud whenever possible so it can be heard. So go forth, serve your people, and make your caring heard. Thanks for listening and for all that you do to take care of so many.
1: This show is sponsored by Joe Mall and Associates. Remember, commitment comes from better bosses. Visit joemall.com today. Hello boss heroes, are you planning a conference meeting or event? Why not invite our own Joe Maul to be your keynote speaker? Joe speaks and writes about commitment in the workplace in a way that is funny, powerful and captivating. He knows that your attendees want rich content that is relevant to them and delivered in a way that is fun, compelling and useful. Joe's keynote programs help leaders say and do new things so they can get better results. If you're planning a remote event, Joe can beam in from a fully equipped virtual broadcast studio. With multiple cameras, professional audio and lighting, and tons of interactive ways to engage participants, he will leave your audience raving about their experience. Oh, and Joe is a certified speaking professional. That's the highest earned designation in professional speaking. That is held by less than 20% of speakers worldwide. The CSP is only awarded to speakers with a proven track record of experience expertise education outstanding client service and ethical behavior whether your event is in person or virtual your audience doesn't want another boring 60-minute lecture they deserve to learn and be inspired by a world-class program from a professional speaker they simply cannot turn away from that's what you get guaranteed from Joe Mall for more information visit jomal.com/speaking to check date availability or to get a quote, email jamie at joemall.com. That's J-A-M-I-E at jomal.com.